0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Talent Playbook podcast. My name is Jason Ferrara. I'm the Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer at Outmatch and your host for the podcast. Our podcast focuses on strategies for transforming your world of work. During each podcast, we'll highlight someone who's transformed their organization or industry in a significant way. Today's guest, is Sam Summers, the owner of First Fleet Concerts in Des Moines, Iowa, and the co-owner of Up Down Arcade Bars. I really enjoyed my conversation with Sam. He's an entrepreneur at heart and tells detailed stories in this podcast about the founding of his businesses from the early days when he was 19 to present day with a full-blown music festival and bars across the Midwest. I was really struck by the specific lessons in the conversation with Sam. lessons like. Being persistent, even to the point of annoyance, which sounds like a benefit in his business, but might be a benefit in any business. Running a transparent business is another lesson, a transparency with employees and customers alike. He tells great, great stories about that. How best to use a mentor, how honest and trusting that mentor relationship needs to be. He certainly was given some honest feedback from from his mentor who learned it from his mentor. So those are those are great stories. Listen closely for that and even advice on starting a business. You know, when is the right time to quit your day job, quote unquote? So uh, the, the some really great lessons there from him. So without further delay, here's the Talent Playbook podcast with Sam Summers. Hey, Sam, thanks for being on the podcast today. Really appreciate your, your time and we're looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Sure. Our pleasure. So, uh, when we, when we spoke in the past, you know, we, we, my research and our our prep conversation for this, for this podcast, we talked a little bit about your businesses, first fleet concerts, up down arcade bars. Just tell our listeners a little bit about both those businesses. They may not know. The, of those businesses. And, and
1: I'd like them to understand, have that context before we really dig in. Sure. So, you know, I started my my company by just booking concerts um, as a, you know, a, a senior in high school. Um, and it was local bands that I started with, um, just booking them at a local DIY um, hall. And, um, you know, my, my history as a, as a young kid was just, uh, I was always kind of, you know, trying to make money off of stuff so i uh um i quickly found a way like hey how can i turn this into like how can i monetize like booking concerts and doing that um that sort of thing because i enjoy going to concerts but i'd like to be more involved so um you know i found myself going out of town to a lot of these concerts uh, in iowa city or minneapolis and um i i made some contacts with some bands that um uh, you know, I really liked, and one of those bands was fallout boy um and we we exchanged emails back and forth um i uh we, we ended up booking them a show in in Des Moines, um which is where I live and um just this small club you know I booked it through the band and um you know the next time we I booked them a couple times and um you know the next time I did them uh they they had an agent and so that's when it kind of became official. We had we had contracts and and all that stuff, you know. It was it's, um, a, it's a real business when they yeah, a exactly. real business when they bring yeah, up the so, yes. <laughs> you know, you're looking at these contracts and um just you know, I was I was young, didn't have anything to lose, so I was just like, Oh sure, okay, yeah, that's fine. So we we put together these um these shows. Now I'm working with agents. Um and and the shows went well and and those bands you know they take out bands that are with other agents and so that kind of spread to other agencies and i just made sure to be persistent with all those agents and um started booking more and more concerts and gradually that um you know that kind of i, I wouldn't say that started my business but that that started me understanding how i can monetize you know concerts
0: so, tell me quickly about the concert scene in Des Moines when you were growing up. Right sure. was was it vibrant? You was there a
1: need there? Why why when you saw Fallout Boy did you say I've got to bring them to Des Moines? So, yeah, no, there wasn't really much going on in Des Moines. Um, there was a few small clubs in the nineties that um, you know did shows here and there, but if I ever wanted to go see a band that was kind of hyped or you know the hot band, I had to go um, to Minneapolis or Chicago or. Uh, Kansas City. And um it Des Moines is kind of like that for a lot of our industries. I mean there's you know, we're starting to get a lot better here as we uh um move along, but you know, in our in our food world and um music and arts and everything, it's just it there's a lot of opportunity um because not, not everything's been done here. So um th- I, I felt like there was plenty of space to be able to bring these bands to Des Moines and, and there turned out to be the support for it too.
0: Yeah. Did you how did you tap into that support? Right. So obviously it's your friends. But w- when you when you book fall out boy for the first time, you know, are you just crossing your fingers that people will come or how did you get how did
1: you get people to come to the show? Um, so with with them, it was a lot of bootlegging CDs and, uh, you know, <laughs> recording them on CDRs and passing them out to people at the mall and right. telling them to check it out. You know, um, that that was really the way we got people into it. All of, all of our friends listened to them and, and it was so, it was, it was simple then because there was only one band I was doing a show for. So I could just completely focus on it and just like, Hey, you, you've got to hear this. And luckily, you know, everybody liked the band and, um, it obviously ended up being a big thing. Um, but it was, uh, it was definitely a lot of grassroots and just kind of putting headphones in people's ears and saying, Hey, come see this. And, um, it was, you know, at first you're just kind of like, where am I going to do this show? All I know is these DIY halls, and and luckily there was there was a couple venues that were just getting opened in in Des Moines around that time that I was able to jump in and put some shows together.
0: And um, those venues, I'm I'm thinking if I'm, uh, you know, an an adult who's running a music venue, and uh, presume, uh, how old were you when you were when you were running Fallout Boy into, into the first their first concert into Des Moines?
1: Uh, so I, I I was 19 yeah, yeah. and where most of my peers were 19 as well.
0: So, so. so did people who were opening music venues, were they, were they older adults? Did they take you seriously? How did you, how'd you, how'd you find that?
1: You know, um, that th- they did, you know, I think that's the thing is everybody in Des Moines is really supportive of everyone and, and, you know no one else was doing concerts. So they kind of needed people to put shows in their rooms. Um, And I know with the the first place I booked that concert um, was Vaudeville Muse, which is still around today, you know? Um, And uh, it, they were, they were really helpful and their staff was kind of like, you know, kind of nurtured me through the way. So that's great.
0: Yeah. That's, that's great to know that, yeah, you know, people people took you seriously and, and understood what you were trying to do. Did you have to convince anybody that, you know, hey, listen, I'm serious in this business and here's what I'm trying to do in the in the art scene, or was everybody just open like that?
1: So um everybody was open as far as the you know the consumer goes or, you know, um people that were you know coming to the concerts. Um sure. the, the hardest part is is getting um agents to respond and you know there's this fine line between persistence and annoyance and i cross it constantly um but it it's necessary and and some people you you'll never get back to them they'll never get back to you and you'll just keep working it and working it and working it and you don't hear back but most of them will pay off and i remember a lot of the people that would ignore me back in the day maybe they're not you know not what they were back then and it's it's kind it's not like it's the tables have turned or anything but it's just kind of funny looking back and it's like man I tried so hard to get a hold of you when I was 20 years old and you know now it's like you know you're begging me to do your shows you know um it's uh so it's it is kind of funny how that works and that's why you you know in my mind, I, I'm always careful about that. When I'm working with an agent, and I'm and I'm working with their assistants, especially, I'm I'm always respectful of them because I know that someday they will have something I need. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: I, well, I, I, that's just, a that's a great lesson. You yeah.
1: Know, make- yeah, and so that you yep. that you take care of those who someday w- will take care of you, right? <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah you, you you're better off like burning the bridge with someone who's reached their full potential and you know exactly where th- what they are, you know, rather than like being mean to someone's assistant or, you know, intern or something that someday is going to like have everything you need and want and they'll remember that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, that that's a big thing. It's just, you know, treating people well. So,
0: so start with what you know what I'll call uh passionate humble beginnings with one show one venue where are you today with with uh with, with first fleet you know what what does that yeah. business look like today
1: so um after doing a, a few shows um we you know I, I was dating a girl at the time that uh, her dad was attorney and he's like hey we should probably like you know Put together, you know, a business for you, and file with the state, and get your, you know, all your stuff to pay taxes and all that stuff. So um, <laughs> you should that probably was be paying taxes. yeah. You That's know, and you, you do a few shows, you are just like, oh yeah, this is. I guess I am making money, so I better, you know, start doing what I am supposed to do. So we right. we um got that going in, um, I believe it was two thousand three um, which when I was a, uh, a freshman, um, at Iowa state. And, um, at that point, you know, I was, I was starting to do a few more shows, um, really it was like one show a month maybe. Um, and doing them um, in Des Moines, mostly trying to find new venues. Um, some new venues were opening and, and, um, and, and then I, you know, I went through college and we, we did our, um, I did my biggest show at this place called Valair Ballroom in Des Moines, uh, for Fallout Boy, um, when, when they kind of broke into the mainstream and, you know, we sold out advanced 2500. And I think at that point I was probably 20 years old. Um, and it was, I was like, man, this, you know, I'm going to school right now for, I guess I started ele- electronic engineering and I switched right. over to marketing. I'm like, man, maybe I just, you know, maybe I can do this real. And, and I, um, so after that show, um, uh, things didn't go so well, and I had a few shows that did really poorly. And so it's this roller coaster. And your, and so then then I kind of decided, well, I, I guess I'll go to law school um, because I, I'm not going to be able to do anything with marketing, you know, and and I I just don't know what I would do with that. And, and what didn't have the best grades in school either. So I um so I kind of got things into gear, took a bunch of classes like I was going to be an attorney, and um. Realized that I didn't have the attention span, uh, or uh, you know, or the desire to actually be an attorney. I think it was more just that that paycheck. And so I was, um, uh, I I continued to do shows. Got out of school with um, you know better grades than I started with because I was you know aiming to go to law school. So graduated, went and worked um, at at the casino, two a.m. to ten a.m while I was booking concerts during the day. Um and then I'd go in and, you know, fall asleep at the table while dealing people cards. Um what, what game what games <sighs> did you deal? Uh I dealt blackjack mostly, um, but then some Pie Gao and three card poker. Um I think that was it for me. But, you know, it was it's that's that's a sad time to be in the casino, the two AM to ten A. M. Um, you know, I, I've been in the casino at that time, but it's just it's it's you see a lot of, you know, sad sad stories
0: so yeah 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 what um
1: so you said you had
0: some some concerts so you have you have the big success and then you say gosh i i think i might be able to do this full time you have some concerts that you thought weren't a success what 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 defines a success and what defines not a success in in those terms and what you're looking at there
1: i mean it's all the volatility and when you're not doing a ton of concerts and you have one, you know, when it's it's basically just my personal bank account that is mm-hmm. draining when I lose money on a show, and and that's really hard at first. When you, I remember my first loss, um, a substantial loss in my mind was fifteen hundred dollars, um, and um it was really hard. You know, like it was one of those things where you're staying up all night and i um, just pretty upset about it. And at that point you just, you're kind of wondering like, man, I can't, I'm working right now. I'm doing the same body of work, but I'm losing money on the concert. And um, so you, you just kind of question it. And that's when I, I realized I need something to kind of back me up, you know, um, and, and then try to get this going. And um, once you get, once you get some momentum going with some winners, that's when it, um, kind of takes off. So, yeah. So, when
0: you say something to back me up, is that you know, is that financial uh, support? Is that a a mentor, someone who's been there before? You know, what what do you mean when right. you say you need something to back me up?
1: Um, that financial support. So, um, I need I need to be able to pay my bills and my mm-hmm. my casino job or what became you know a Wells Fargo job after that was to basically live. Um, and then this was kind of like, um a side job that I wanted to get going and, and have it be my main job, but it just wasn't ready. I wasn't able to go straight from college to, to be able to be full time. So.
0: And, and what about, uh, a mentor, right? So you get the financial backing. Is there, was there somebody you looked to, to say, okay, help, help me do this better. How do I do this better? Somebody has been there before me. Um, or, or really was it just you on your own, uh, you know, building this business?
1: Yeah. Um, so it was a, it was a little bit before the mentor came into play. Um, I, I had to figure out a lot of it on my own, asking questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a few agents that really helped me. Um, Fallout Boys agent was one, you know, uh, he, he would tell me like, Hey, this is how you do this. Um, you know, you should probably reach out to this person and work on this. And, um, you know, you, you have a, you have a web of other concert promoters that are in the same shoes as you that are maybe the same ages and, and you kind of share data with them. You know, um, okay, and you yeah. talk about, hey, this show's going out. Did you get offered it? No. So, okay, so then you go and you reach out to that agent, and you sh- you share the other way around, and and then you kind of know what what that band's worth, how they're doing in other markets, and that's really important information at first. Um, I would say that you know my mentor came um, randomly down the line, and he actually reached out to me, um, and I'm a pretty reserved, kind of cautious type person, and you know, I. I tend to uh doubt when, you know, people are um, you know, genuine or real or whatever. And so I this this guy reached out to me and I, I looked him up before I called him back. Um he left me a message and his name was Steve White and he uh he left me a message and, and just asked if I wanted to get dinner uh or lunch or something and he wanted to uh, you know, talk to me about concerts and he had heard about me and whatnot. So when I looked him up I, I found out that he was um, he was a, a concert promoter in the seventies in Des Moines. Um, and he had done some big music festivals. Uh, and he was, he was Bill Graham, uh, Bill Graham's a local partner. Um, Ooh. so he, that's a, you that's know, a big name. yeah, the famous, the famous concert promoter from San Francisco. Um, he, so he did like the grateful dead and, you know, Eagles and all those bands back in those yeah. days. And so to me, that was obviously really cool. And, um, so we went and got lunch and, um, you know, had some great conversations, and I remember, you know, the first time we met, we, he said, uh, "You know what? What have you what have you heard about me?" And I go because I just asked around, and and uh, you know, people that said uh, um, you know, that he's kind of a grinder and whatnot, and so I I told him that, and I go, and then he goes, "Well, you know what I've heard about you?" I didn't even ask him, but he said, "You know what I've heard about you?" And I go. <laughs> I go, what's that? And he says, uh, I heard you're extremely disorganized. And, and I was like, oh, wow, that's that's real, you know, like that's a that's actually a flaw and uh, something I probably need to improve on. So, you know, he's he was very honest with me on on different things. And I, I take those things to heart so that, that's great I, I
0: love the i love the fact that he um offered that without you asking number one and then so so how, what did you do with his advice right you're i hear you're you're disorganized you know you leave that lunch you think yeah that's either the last time i'll talk to that guy or i'll do something about it so <laughs> obviously, obviously you did something about it you, right.
1: right what'd you do How'd Yet, you um so you you self-evaluate and and when i uh what i've learned with him as i've as i've grown you know and i've taken more advice from him is that you know he's he's accurate and everything is accurate for how he was when he did concerts in the 70s 80s and 90s and you know some things have changed but i w- looking inward it was like you know i prob I, I see how he does business and he show i've done shows with him now and, and he shows up to the concerts with these you know these settlements as thick as a book with, you know, these receipts for everything, Mm -hmm. everything in order, typewriter in hand, um, you know, and everything is just so pro. You don't do any work the day of the show where I, I, I do a lot more volume in shows. You know, we're doing... Probably 150 shows a year, um, and it's very—it's a lot quicker and faster. And you know, um, I don't get to put the kind of time into shows um, that he did back in the day, which is too bad because it's—that was a fun way of doing concerts. But how I corrected, um, you know, myself was just just keeping be- better records and keeping, um, you know, more organization and um, communicating better. Um, I think that was you know it was a good lesson, and it, he he gave me some lessons later on too. I remember, um, you know, I guess we're moving this this story kind of along here. But I went down the line, I I opened up this venue, and um, uh, after after booking concerts a while, I opened up this venue Woolies, um, which is 700 cap. But I remember I invited him to my soft opening. Um, so, you know, it was sorry, like sorry,
0: you you just said 700 Cap. So you you opened a music venue in Des Moines, right? Yep. And, yes. And, and, Yep. When you say 700 capacity, that
1: means what? Uh, 700 capacity. So it's kind of a smaller club. Um, but it was a club yep. size that was needed in the market. So um, some of these shows I did my first... Um, sh- or some of these venues I did my first shows at were you know 200 to 300 capacity. And we were selling them out mm-hmm. quite a bit. So um, I needed this space, um, this bigger space to do bigger shows so I could uh, continue to be- compete with other markets and bring more stuff to Des Moines. Um, so... I uh I bring Steven, um I, I I invite him and you know, it's a hectic night. I obviously I'm I'm proud of opening my venue. It's my opening night. I've invited all my friends and everything and I think everything goes great. You know, everybody always tells you how great everything is. You never get any right. feedback. But then I, right, I right. go home at at that night after like two AM and I he sends me an email and it's like talking about um you know how you know what I did wrong with my venue, and it was like to me it didn't bother me because it's you know coming from him and it's info that's valuable to me and and things that are just he's just brutally honest on things and um you know so I, I get with my manager I'm say hey we need to you know we need to pay attention to these things and you know make sure people are attentive to whatever you know and and um. And and I just thought that was funny though. It's like you know my my first night that I'm trying to have a you know good time and soak it in. I I get an email from him. So but that's just kind of how it is. <laughs> keeps keeps your feet on the ground. Exactly. Right? Somebody like that. Yep. I, I'm
0: sure that happened to him. And I, I wonder what the what the letter that Bill Graham sent him uh, after you know the, his, his first. He told me, that was like
1: he told me. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot more brutal than that. Um, he actually <laughs> I actually know one of his stories that um he he called steve white uh and steve was hanging out with all his friends here um and you know he steve was a lot younger he's i think he was probably in his 20s or 30s and um so he had, he'd done his first show with bill graham and uh <laughs> and uh so he's he's sitting around there bill calls and and steve thinks he's gonna be funny he knows he's in trouble uh with Bill and he thinks <laughs> he's going to be funny so he kind of puts the ph- he, I think he puts the phone on speaker or, or at least so people can hear what's going on and right. um and he he tells Steve that the only thing he knows how to do is sell tickets and that it, I, I, he's got this accent for me he says all you know how to do is sell tickets you don't know how to run a concert and something about flying out to Des Moines in his jet and poking his eyes out. So <laughs> that's,
0: yeah, anyway, that's, it that's was a little that's bit softer
1: brutal. on me. So, right. uh, you know, but that, that is funny. Like, you know, yeah, he had those lessons early too. And that's probably what kind of scared him into being as good as he is. So,
0: well, you know, it's, it's great hearing stories of people's mentors and, and the lessons that you learn. I mean, I you, right. you know, uh, clearly, you're open to feedback, which is what, um, somebody who has a mentor needs to be. But it, also when you're talking about just being honest, and obviously, y- you guys connected and, and trusted each other enough to be able to have those interactions. So that's, that's incredibly important. And, you yeah. know, one of one other thing that you said that I, I want to just point out too, I, I think is really interesting is, um, what, what I would call in a sort of a, a geeky, jargony way is tribal learning right? The the way you learned to do this business was from other people who did the same thing. And you'd trade information and, you know, some people last in the business and some people don't. And those that that take that tribal learning and they, you know, internalize it and do it differently next time is a lot of the, a lot of success lies in that in that information and gathering information that way.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's it's this kind of, um, when you're sharing information with people, you're obviously not going to give them all of the information that they're going to, you know, hurt. You're not going to give them enough information where they can, you know, have an unfair advantage with you. But it's like, I I have people in Omaha, I have people in Arizona, Minneapolis, uh, Milwaukee, that we just, we kind of talk and we learn and um, it's, you, you kind of learn by failing on a lot of things, right? And yeah. you take some hard lessons and, you know, you learn, like, um, you know, which shows are are going to do best for you in your market or, or in a different market you're working. And um, it's just stuff that's not really laid out there. And there's no, you know, magazines or, you know, data that, that shows, like, how is this, you know, show going to do in, in Omaha versus Des Moines, yeah. you know, so...
0: Yeah, right. You just have to you have to try it, see what happens. Yep. So, so you you are the co owner of another business called Up Down Arcade Bars. So, tell us about tell us about that business quickly.
1: Yeah. So, so um, we started Up Down um, as as just a uh, a bar that we we wanted to have next to our venue. It's it's right next door to Woolies in a in a basement. Um, and Up Down's an arcade bar uh, that it was kind of a new concept at the time. Um, but it's it's these these bars that have tons of old cabinets and them, uh, old, old arcade cabinets and whatnot. And we'd gone on a bachelor party and, and saw one in Vegas and we're like, I think we can do a different kind of spin on this and and do it in Des Moines and, and really work with our other business. And, and so we did that. We opened it on a shoestring budget, which is how we kind of did everything up to that point. Um, and opened it in like two months at the space next to us. And it went really, really well. Um, and and so I have I have two other partners on that um, that they're both from Iowa City and own a venue in Iowa City that uh, I used to do shows at. So we we decided um, we were going to start poking around in some other markets. We had no idea what we were doing, uh, but we um, we had a we knew we had a manager that lived in Kansas City um, that was working a corporate job that. Um, we, we could have that was interested in managing if we opened one in Kansas City. So we spent a lot of time going sure. down there looking at spaces um, and finally finally found one um, that we liked um, and it's, uh, it's funny. we actually worked out like a contract to buy this building. Um, it was all ready to go and then someone swooped in last second oh. um, and uh, purchased it cash purchase and, and now that's our landlord. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, so hopefully okay. someday he's nice enough to sell us the building but really? that's uh that's how we started down there um and and that one just really took off um you know partly because we had great management um but also just we were in the right area um we were kind of the only the only game in the area um for people to go and and you know an activity t- based bar um, around a bunch of restaurants is usually great for before and after dinner so um that, that went really well, and we and you know since then we've expanded up into Minneapolis, um, which which uh, is a great location. We're up in um, you know downtown Minneapolis, and then now we uh, we just bought our first building in Milwaukee um, that we're we're going to be opening in uh, probably May or June. So yeah,
0: that's great. So so I want to I want to talk a little bit about the the. The, how you run a business like that, right? So the, the, the other side of this conversation is where'd you get the idea and, and how, and how did you decide that? And the Vegas story is cool. And, but I, you know, I'm interested in, you went from a job that was one person finding one band and booking one concert to now you are a co-owner of a business with with multiple locations obviously you've got lots of employees who have to run those locations and how how did you go from from being essentially a sole proprietor to someone who's running businesses with employees what was that journey like
1: uh so well, first I will say, um, you know, when you're making money, everything is a lot easier. Um, you know, I, it's it a lot it, of problems. Yeah. It makes things a lot easier and, and everybody has patience and whatnot. So that was helpful. Um, but we, you know, I had, I was lucky to have a managing partner, um, that, that is basically our, our location opener. Uh, so, um, he goes down, he's on the ground when we open it, the construction, um, and and then sees like all the hiring, you know, helps with our um, our, our local GM uh, doing all the hiring and um, ordering and all that stuff. And and he loves it, like that. He he loves doing that. He loves that, you know, that rush of opening the new spot. And so that's really important for us. And that's kind of how we've been able to. Expand and open different locations is having you know him on the ground and the interest in moving to these different markets and spending you know six to eight months in each of these markets. Um, so you know beyond that, um, having good managers that we bring up, um, you know, within our company um, or finding and recognizing uh, great talent, um, it that's just so important. You know, whenever you're you're having issues, that's the first person you go to, and um, to kind of look at numbers, like see what's going on. And um, I mean, that that's just, that's so important, having a great manager.
0: Yeah, I think that that, um, that, that can't be underestimated, right? It goes along the lines of the mentor conversation that we, that we were having. So how, how involved are you in the hiring of the, of the team members at the, you know, f- for first fleet or for, uh, for the, for the arcade bar?
1: So I'm, um for First Fleet, basically, um I've done a couple hires and and then I kind of let my hires hire the rest. So um I'm I'm not the best manager. I'm I'm not like things I like about one of our partners at Updown is that he's super direct and he can deal with an issue before it becomes an issue and it's not awkward for anyone. And um you know that's something that i'm not great at you know i try to become better at it by observing and understanding how he does that but sometimes there's just people that are better at certain things and that's that's why we make a great partnership because my partner can do the all the hiring and you know um i guess firing and um understanding like how to develop employees you know i think with with first fleet um and this may be completely wrong but my my kind of philosophy is to let people learn on their own and um kind of develop their own tendencies and then reel them back in if they're not doing something correct you know correct that um, but but I feel like if I were to tell someone that works for me exactly how to be um, they would just be a clone of me, and you know that's not always the best for every job, so I feel like i I, I look to you know, I've got this guy that's my production manager who's also doing some booking now. His, his name's Burke, and um, you know, just I kind of let him use his personality and and how he runs shows, and um, I don't I don't tell him a ton. I've given him access to all my emails. He can see how I how I communicate with agents and you know bands and whatnot. But I like to I like to have him kind of dive in um and then and then reel back if I need to so i don't know that's that's kind of how i do it and and that doesn't work the best for a bar but it works great for a first fleet so
0: yeah i lo- i love that Transparency that you give to him, right? That's 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 part of the of the learning process. Whether that's right. really structured or why you were doing it, or if it's more, it's just easier for to, to communicate with him. But I, I love that transparency. Uh, it's, it's such an yeah. important thing to have as a manager. When when yeah. you're running these businesses, you know what what metrics are you using to know whether it, you're you're successful or not? You know, we talked about the one concert that that lost money, right? So obviously. Whether you make or lose money
1: is a metric, but is that is that the only metric? What what else are you using to run the business? Yeah, so I would say that the bars are a lot easier to use metrics and you know understanding um, employee costs and you know what we're spending on alcohol and 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 whatnot. Um, you know, wh- I look at that data a lot closer when we have our quarterly meetings, where you know we're we're kind of just mining through all that data and saying like, well, why is that number so high? You know, why mm-hmm. are we? Um, You know, why are we, why are we spending so much here? And, and, you know, sales are down this month. And, and so it's a lot easier with the bar. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with First Fleet, I'm, I'm pretty fluid with our budget. You know, like I, when I'm, when I'm, I do a festival for, um, I do a festival for underneath my, uh, First Fleet brand called Hinterland. Um, and I, I, i I know what things cost, but I don't run the tightest budget like i'm not I'm not setting up a pro forma and like knowing what it needs to make and you know all this stuff it's just i in that aspect in that in that in that particular property um hinterland i need to i need it to be a really great event and I need people to really love that and if I start looking at it really closely and looking at the numbers too closely, I start making decisions um to to improve my bottom line, and some of those things, I'm I'm giving up uh, some quality, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, I just can't help myself. If I look too closely at the numbers, I'll I'll cut certain things that I know I can save money on that I don't need for that to happen for the festival to happen. But mm-hmm. um, you know, um, some examples like we, you know, we spend. 50,000 and artist catering, right? And I could probably do it for 10,000, but Mm -hmm. I want my artist to talk about the catering and how good it is. So I hired a wedding caterer and, you know, they do like everything and everybody always talks about it and they tell their agents, they tell other bands. And that was one of the first things that I was told when I was producing a festival. I I said, What are things that you hear about? You know, um, obviously people hear about crowds, but there's a lot of good crowds. So, you know, one of the agents told me, he said, catering that's all they talk about you know they want they want good food (laughs) and i want good food like i'm going to a festival that has good food and he had some examples of these festivals that had the best catering and so i was like all right well i'm gonna hit catering out of the park and and that kind of became like i'm gonna make sure every experience is great for the band um, because that's what i can give them you know, I live in Des Moines and we're not going to have the biggest crowd. So I can work on things that are going to make them feel like they're at home or even better, you know. Um, so we we just started kind of building on that backstage. I mean, this last year, we had Ryan Adams headline one of our night and he's a big video game guy. Yeah, he's, um, he's, and I own yeah. video oh, okay. places. So it was like a really great... Um, uh, you know, I, I had a good opportunity to put something together. So we put him this, uh, this little private arcade and I watched a bunch of videos about him, um, like what his fa- interviews with him and what his favorite arcades are and favorite pinball and whatnot. And we put together this arcade. He ended up being kind of sick and didn't come off the tour bus other than going to stage. So he didn't see it. But the tour manager's like, yeah, it was, it was good. You know, we appreciate you doing that, <laughs> right? Right. You, you, so, you research and you care yeah, about yeah, somebody, and yeah. I imagine the
0: comforts of home in some way are important. If right. if you're on a bus going from place to place to place. So, do you? You know, the, I would think of that in terms of uh, satisfaction scores. You know, do you yeah. do you measure satisfaction in that way, or do you just you you know it, or you get that feedback?
1: Um, not not uh not a numbers way. Um, we do uh, we do surveys. Um, one thing we stress with Hinterland is. Absolute transparency um, and customer service. So we we've basically our first year um, of hinterland, which was 2015. Um, it flooded in Des Moines. We had to move it three days out from the festival, and we're, we're moving a festival that's doing you know 8,000 people a day right. with crazy infrastructure. Um, and and we had already started setting up at our our location. So we found this backup location. We had it you know a contract already for it. So we um, we moved it down there and I had my team get together and I'm like, all right, I want to answer every single question. I want everything, you know, I want everybody to know everything. So we had this little like war room we set up where I had five people working on email. We did a Reddit AMA, um, you know, tweets, uh, um, answering basically everything anybody sent at us. And, you know, at least giving an attempt to answer it, you know, um, not not hiding behind, you know, um, the internet and, and not responding to certain questions. So from the get-go, I was like, well, you know, I, I like this transparency. I think it's, you know, I feel more like a person as this business feels more like a person when I can communicate and I can be truthful about everything. And, and that's how we kind of um, grew it. And, you know, a lot of festivals, you'll see them do... Um, tickets on sale before the lineup is released and and that's something we we don't do um, because I feel like there's a lot of uh, consumer disappointment when they're buying tickets and and then they they get the lineup it's not something they wanted so you're basically you've purchased something that you don't really want so right that's that's kind of how we do everything is just try to be as transparent as possible so
0: just I'm, I'm- This this conversation is really really great for a number of reasons. I just the the amount of transparency you have with your team and and with the people that you you produce concerts for and and the way that you grew up in the business and learning from others and all I just really think that's it's such a great story. I, I I'm interested to know what you know piece of advice you'd have for somebody starting their business career, whether it's in whether it's in the music business or or any other business. You know what. What are a couple of those those lessons that you learned that you you'd, you'd tell somebody else if they asked you?
1: Um, tr- start small and uh, you know go go as slow as you can and if you're thinking about quitting your job to start a business work six months longer and and try to uh, you know get it going to where you physically can't work that other job when I was when I was working at Wells Fargo um, I was uh, you know answering emails on my breaks walking around the lake and and taking phone calls and skipping lunch you know um that's the kind of things you have to do in order to launch a successful business and um i would always tell someone if they think they're ready then they should wait another 6 months and you can run a business while you're working another job you, you don't you know I, I know it can be difficult sometimes but um i think that's important you know um it's something you know it's it's something you really just have to push yourself to do so no, I think that's great. I, you know, so
0: many. I, th- I think that people romanticize the. I'm quitting my job and I'm starting this company because I'm fed up. You know, I think there's a. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a way to be successful and responsible uh, at the same time. Right. So actually, I think that's
1: well, it's, it's the right. deduction thing. And people, people talk about the deductions and like, well, I want my, my own business so I can deduct things. And like, right. you know, that means you have to spend that money, right? Like, <laughs> it's, it's not free. It's not just like this free. Deal like you have to like yeah. So anyway, I think that there's a lot of people that get into business, you know, for the wrong reasons, and, and those businesses don't work out. Um, I think it's it's about grind and, and really making yourself uncomfortable um, before things get better. I mean, I, I I constantly I I constantly struggle still with different things. You know, it, it was I, I've got this agent that I've been doing business with for a long time, and and she's not the best. She's not the best communicator, um, but. I've been trying to reach her f- for six months about just Avails, General Avails, not responding. You know, not responding to any of my emails, any of my phone calls. Meanwhile, she's booking stuff with other people. I have no reason reason to know why she's not communicating with me, but I still struggle. There's still those kind of struggles, and um, you know that, that just that's a product of not being one of the biggest, um, you know, and and not being one of these huge um companies um that that can kind of. You know, force every agent to work with them. Yeah. So, um, I, I would say up to like four or five five years ago. There's there's still periods when you're running a business where you're like, "Am I going to be able to make this work?" You yeah. know, I think once we got the business, once we got the bars open, I feel like I've kind of spread myself out a little bit more. Um, and it's just it's just about getting to the point where you can't be sunk, I guess. And yeah. that's how you that's how you stay an entrepreneur is just get to the point where you can't if, if something really bad happens that you can still maintain, you know, working for yourself. And, and I feel like I've gotten there, but you know, I, I, I try to make, uh, um, low risk decisions, um, when I can just to try to preserve that. So, yeah. Well, obviously you're,
0: you're passionate about, about these businesses, which, which I think goes a long way too, right? You have a you have a taste for it you have an eye for it and uh then you also understand that what's at risk at the business so i th- i think that's great and and i um you know i th- i haven't been to the hinterland festival but i, I i'll look it up and we'll urge our yeah. listeners to uh check it out and uh you know maybe you'll have a couple of other people there who haven't been there
1: before yeah yeah well you bring up a good point um you know i think it's important to um to to do things that are within your lane and know what your strengths are and and really push, um, you know, build things that that you are an expert on. And that doesn't mean you can't start other businesses that surround that particular business. But like to me going and starting like a fine dining restaurant would just be a disaster because I have no idea how to do that. And, um, it, I, you know, I, I think you just, you, you have to really capitalize on what you're good at and know your strengths. And that's something that I just, I have to remind myself sometimes, you know, when you see people that are just like killing it, doing something, you're like, yeah, but I'm not passionate about that. So I probably wouldn't do it as well. You know? So.
0: Yeah. that's that's great advice. Thank
1: Yeah. Sam Summers, thanks so much for
0: spending uh, uh, some time with us here today, and and best of luck to you. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Talent Playbook podcast with our guest, Sam Summers. To learn more about Sam's businesses, you can visit firstfleetconcerts.com and updowndsm.com. And for more on the Hinterland Music Festival, visit HinterlandIowa.com. You can also listen to other episodes of the Talent Playbook podcast at Outmatch.com. Look under the About menu. Thanks to our producer and engineer, Charles Summers. And until next time, this is Jason Ferrara saying thanks for listening.